Hi, I'm Laura Jowser, host of Modern Animism Radio. Thanks for being here. I wanted to do a podcast on humility for a long time. I think it's an essential part of animism that helps us to connect. But it was not ever the right time. I want a sign or something to click and say, boom, you know, here it is. And I really strive to be guided in all things that I do as a representative for Pan Society. And it finally happened. And I'll share that story in just a minute. But first, let's acknowledge the elements and ancestors. I acknowledge the element of earth and thank you for this stable foundation under our feet and the food that sustains us. Thank you for our bodies and all the sensuous, lovely things that we make, see, hear, taste, touch, smell, um, that make life interesting. Acknowledging gratitude to air and ask that you help us to communicate clearly so that what is meant to be said is said and what's meant to be heard is heard. Thank you for our inner knowing and for helping us to connect to our loved ones on the other side of the veil. I acknowledge the element of fire and give gratitude to the sun that warms us, the fire that empowers us to do things and the responsibility to keep us accountable for what we do. Acknowledge and give gratitude for water. Thank you for the fun summer activities that are finally um, able to enjoy again and for helping us to go deep and go with the flow. Acknowledge our plant, two-leg, four-leg, and winged ancestors, minerals, the human ancestors, and thank you for the blessings that we receive that are seen and unseen. Thanks to everybody who's listening today for your support and for being here. If you want to make it a two-way conversation, please join us in our private Facebook group or our online animism class. And that's at pansociety.org. So one of the things that I love about being with my animus friends in a social gathering is that everyone is always so humble. It makes things so enjoyable and relaxed. You don't have to worry about being judged. And it's not a put-on. It's not a fake thing that some people do to get compliments or attention. I really think that it's just the way that we're taught to be from the time that we're small. You know, I was born in the West. I grew up here. Um, but I was reared with tribal animism from birth, and sometimes I'm not aware that things are different until I'm in a different environment, and they ask me a question, or something really sticks out, and that's what happened recently. So I was listening to a woman speak about animism, and I found myself kind of drawing back. Uh, I pay attention to what I'm doing so that I live consciously, and I pause to ask myself what was going on. And I wasn't taken aback because of what she was saying, because most of what she was saying I agree with. Like everybody, I don't agree with everything, but, you know, who does? Uh, but that's definitely wasn't what was going on. So I asked myself if it was because she was a woman. Didn't think so, but I thought I'd check it out because we need to check our biases. And it wasn't that either. So I'm starting to narrow things down. And next I asked myself if it was because she's a pale person. And I knew that that wasn't it either, but something told me that I was getting closer because that wasn't making me feel real good inside. Um, but it is what it is, right? If you don't check yourself, somebody else eventually will. Or they won't, and you'll either be really blind to your own stuff and remain in your ignorance, or you'll, it'll get back to you one way or another. So I leaned into it and realized that it wasn't because she's pale, but because she was doing something that pale people, in my experience, do more often than darker-skinned people. She was talking down to me. Now, you might say, how do I know that when she wasn't even in front of me? Because it was a video recording, so she wasn't even really talking to anyone in particular. But you can hear it in the way people talk and the words that they use, as well as how they use their bodies. And she was talking like she was the authority, 
the expert, and whoever is listening needs to do what she says and agree with what she says. So I'm not pointing fingers at her. I'm just using this story to point out some cultural differences between animists and non-animists. So in the West, we have hierarchy based upon a lot of things, like last names in some areas, money, skin color, degrees, letters after your name, titles, the labels on the clothes you wear, the car you drive, the type of job you do, and things like that. It comes from the days of kings and the aristocracy where everyone followed a pecking order. You knew your place, and you didn't leave it. So we've never had a monarchy here in the USA, but the remnants of the patriarchal hierarchical system is still very much practiced. You see it in the Judeo-Christian church, military, the judicial system, lots of corporate cultures, where you just don't question the guy ahead of you. You don't skip over him and go to the next senior person. You have to respect that person, whether they are respectful to you or competent, and you don't get to ask questions because they're the authority. In some Eastern spiritual practices and martial arts are like this too. The guru or master is to be obeyed, period. Um, Mr. Miyagi said, wax on, wax off, and that's what Karate Kid had to do. So he couldn't ask questions. So this is embedded in a lot of different cultures. But honestly, despite being brown-skinned and female, being talked down to is not something that happens to me a lot. So I absolutely believe that it's a lot of dark-skinned people's reality. But I also know that it's not everybody's, and I just figured out why. It's more than just skin color. It's status and humility. And I don't know how to talk about one without talking about the other. We all come into this world as equal, so we're one. So you can't, one's not divisible, so it can't be otherwise, right? <laughs> and then we learn status from society. Everyone experiences some sort of pressure to conform, solve problems, or avoid pain, and how we do that manifests through status. So some of us are high status, some of us are low status. Let's look at the case of the bully. He's probably somebody who's beaten up or humiliated at home. He learns that to have power, you have to take it and hurt people, and he compensates for his low status by lowering someone else's status through terror or brutality to raise his own, right? It's not all pathological, though. If I'm the high-status person in a relationship, probably the best partner for me is someone who's willing to accept a lower-status position because that's going to create the most harmony or balance, right? That just makes sense. It doesn't work so well when um, the employee tries to tell his boss what to do unless the boss is completely incompetent and hasn't really earned his place there, and maybe not even then. But that happens often in hiring situations and businesses in families where there's a favorite or in the military or other government institution. And the whole thing falls apart when there isn't competent leadership at the top. But you have this mandatory hierarchy where you're not allowed to complain. So it's not a very productive thing, but it's maintained because people like their people. They support their people. And that's what most of us live in most of the time. We don't live as equals. We live in a world of artificial status. If you look at how nature does it, there is hierarchy, but it's a natural hierarchy based upon personality and ability. When a wolf, goat, or dog challenges another one for dominance, it's to assure that the pack has competent and strong leadership. You don't get to be alpha because your mom or dad was one or because you have more money. You have to earn it. And when you can no longer do it, you're replaced. Trust me, this is kind of a brutal thing, and it's not really something... I don't think in the wild it's... um. It's uh, something that that creatures necessarily want. 
you don't have a bunch of people fighting for our people, creatures, <laughs> animals, fighting for the alpha. So I have dogs. When I got my first dog, he was the only one, so he had to be alpha, but he's not an alpha personality. Um, and when I got the next dog, she was a puppy. Before she was even an adult, she took over, and there was no fighting for it at all. She just took over because that she was a dominant one, and he wasn't going to fight her for it because he, he that's just not his personality. And then when I got the third dog, she's also dominant, and she and, and that dog uh, almost fought to the death because of that need for strong leadership and to have to prove yourself is that strong among animals. We have that too in humans, but it's not really a fair fight. It's like whoever, because the status is just different. It's not, it's not based on uh, ability. It's usually based on artificial stuff. Anyway, um, <laughs> when you're in that sort of situation, um, when one creature shifts in the pack or the flock or whatever we're talking about, everybody else does too. So if you bring a new chicken into the flock, you'll see what I mean. So they will peck at each other and let the ones below them know, don't mess with me. And then they all do that all the way out down the line. And once it's established, they all settle down and have a calm, stable community. Same with the dogs because everybody knows where they stand. And then it's peaceful. And if you look at people, we do this too. If you go into a classroom that's out of control, you know that the teacher isn't the alpha despite having the title and the responsibility and expectation uh, to be in charge. There are probably kids in the classroom who are parentified children who learn that they have to control things to feel safe. So at home, they may have a parent there, but the parent's not doing the job, so the little kid takes over. And then they take that status into the classroom too. And they dominate the teacher and the rest of the students. If the teacher can't assert control, that's how the whole year is going to be. If you have two people walking towards each other on a crowded sidewalk where one has to move for the other, we usually work it out without having to have a conversation, right? We size each other up and the lower status one moves. That's usually the woman or the darker skinned person, but not always. If one of these people is a little old lady or a child, the other person will usually move out of the way um, if they were reared with the idea of noblesse oblige or chivalry. And this means that with rank and status comes responsibility for those who are lower, less fortunate, or weaker. Um, it's why men hold doors open for women. It's why we look out for the elderly, sick, and children. In animism, we do this too, but for a different reason. It's not because we're bigger, higher, or stronger than you. It's because of humility. We're not higher than you. Everybody has a seat at the table. We're equals. But the differences in position comes from ability or wisdom, not color, gender, or age. So, well, I won't say that because we do assume that elders have wisdom. Today, that's not necessarily true, and we give the old um, a pass anyway. So I will say, as far as senior citizens, it, it is age, even if they're not elders. Um, but humility is an equalizer. It allows people to occupy different positions without feeling humiliated, inferior, superior, or left out. So let's think about this. Close your eyes and picture somebody above you. They're looking down on you, right? Maybe they're taller than you or on a pedestal. I don't know how they got up, but they're up. They're on top. And this is the only acceptable place to be in our society because um, we're always striving to be at the top of the class, the head of the pack, at the top of your game. 
And this competition is instilled at us at the very latest when we start school. And that's stressful to be uh, comparing because if I'm on top, it means you're on bottom. And I have to look down on you. And down there, you might feel low or low down. And there could be so much um, so much going on here. So, so like a... Um, if somebody's up there, then that man or that woman might be out of my league. So we have lots of idioms to describe status. But there isn't a good or bad status. There's pros and cons to any status. So imagine me on a pedestal. If I'm up here, how am I going to connect to my people? I can't. I'm too far above them. That's why we say it's lonely at the top. There's only room for one up here. But if I'm up here, then I have the support of everybody beneath me, hopefully. (laughs) At the same time, there's nowhere to go but down. And since I don't want to go down, I either have to continue ascending and getting further and further away from my people and getting my head further and further in the clouds. And this is why we call star stars. They're so far above us that we can't touch them. And in mainstream culture, this is where a lot of us want to be. But think about what that fame gets you. It gets you loneliness and separation if you believe your own hype. So the best place for anyone to be is going to be with their feet on the ground. And once your feet leave the ground, you can get carried away. Humility is the only way to be grounded and yet still strive, be successful, connected, be who you are and where you are, and still still be connected to your people. So as C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So humility is not about being low. It's about being modest and not thinking so much about your status, achievements, or importance. You can continue to achieve, desire good things, have good things, and make big changes in the world. You just don't attach any more importance to it than what someone else is doing or, you know, what you did last year or anything else you could be doing. It it just doesn't really matter that much. You're not defined by your stuff or your titles. Um, That's really a good way to look at it. So if your goal is to own a giant corporation and your brother's goal is to be a farmer, with humility, you're both contributing to the world in ways that make you happy and serve the community. There's no judgment. It's freeing. It's validating. There's no one-upping. So I'm okay. You're okay. Think about it. We're always in uh, competition and one-upping. It shows up in conversations all the time. If I say that I'm really excited about a new couch that I just bought and you said that you're planning to get a whole new uh, bathroom updated, you just went up to me. Or if I say, oh, I wish I could get a new couch. I've had nothing but hand-me-downs since I left my parents' house. I might have elevated your status by making me look small for daring to get a new couch when I can't afford one. So we're always doing this status-moving thing. I'm up, you're down, you're down, I'm up, this, this kind of thing. And we put ourselves um, in the place that we feel the most comfortable. This is why Pan Society hosts so many talking circles. It's to get to know and understand each other. But it's also to teach us how to listen and practice humility and support. And um, if you look at people in, in talking circles, you can see when people are not comfortable being equal because they'll resist it. Anyway. Um, in mainstream society, most of the conversation is about figuring out how we're going to respond and how we're going to one-up people. Think about it. Watch. Next time you're in a conversation, listen. You'll see what I'm saying is true. 
So it's not about connection. It's not about understanding. Um, just, yeah, just listen. Hear what's being said while giving your mind a rest and just take in the information without preparing a response and see how it's different. A giant part of moon circles is listening. So we're taking stuff in. We're listening to ourselves speak. We're listening to the moon. We're listening to each other as we support them. This is passive. It's not active. And it's very humble. Yet it's also so powerful. I think somebody, sometimes people think humility is weak. But it's not. People need to be heard. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that if we were all just heard, loneliness would disappear overnight. We'd all have a sense of belonging instantaneously. So it's powerful. That little thing that we're barely takes any any effort at all to do. You know, you don't have to have things in common to talk to somebody or to like someone. We have humanity in common. Connect with that. Give someone a smile or 10 seconds of your day because of that. The idea that we're not enough comes from this pressure to do more, to be more, to be on top, excel, look a certain way, and like the popular things that the media tells us are in. When you live in a community where humility is valued, all that goes away. And maybe that's why we don't embrace it. It's just too common. And there's a lot of people who don't want to come off that pedestal. They like it up there. I get it. It can feel like coming down to earth means giving up your status, your privilege, your admiration, your importance. But it also means that you are grounded and relatable. You can still do all the things that you've got to do up there, so all that you're really giving up is the barrier to oneness. And if you buy into that idea that someone has to do something to be worthy or good enough, you're really othering and separating yourself and other people into the ins and the outs. So you could just give that up now. Another thing that happened this week that told me it was time to talk about humility uh, was that twice I heard someone say, you'll get respect if you give respect. And I think that's a line from a movie. Now, this is a way of putting someone in their place. It's saying, you're low, and it's your fault that you're being treated in this bad way. I'm obligated to be ugly because of you. And that's utter nonsense. That's a low-status person pretending to be high. And this is like a gang member or mafioso who shoots someone for being disrespectful. It's like when Joffrey in Game of Thrones said, I'm the king, and his grandfather replies, any man who's says, I'm the king, is no true king. A person who knows his own value, someone who's modest, doesn't have to go around announcing it or demanding it. They don't have to get their self-worth from others. So it makes no difference if others are disrespectful. If they're ugly, that's because they have ugliness inside. This has nothing to do with us. So the other person doesn't feel slighted. They don't feel anything at all. And there's no need to demand respect or satisfaction. Isn't that a far more peaceful way to be? So humility is not a weakness or submission. It's a form of love and grace. It's really walking in your own sovereignty and then allowing others theirs. Uh, What was the story of ancient Rome when a general had a triumph after returning from a big victory? A slave would walk behind him saying, memento mori, which means remember you will die. So it's a way to remind him to be humble. Don't get too big for your britches and remember what's important, which is family, love, and little things like watching the sunrise. After all, none of us knows how many sunrises we have left. And who cares if you're at the peak of your sports game, career, or whatever, if you're all alone at that peak, you know? 
that's meant to be shared. So even though we all live in a culture that teaches us not to be humble, we can buck the system and go rogue. In a minute, I'm going to give you some tips for cultivating humility, but first let me explain the components so you don't confuse it with playing small or being aloof. So humility requires that you have an accurate sense of self. That's number one. I'm always suggesting that we all cultivate mindfulness, and this is one of those times that that skill is going to come really in handy. So if you don't train yourself to see things as they are without pushing things away, it's going to be impossible to see yourself accurately. I mean, who does anyway? There's so much in shadow, but if we're going to have something realistic to work with, we have to be mindful. Second, humility requires that our self-image be modest. If I've accomplished 10,000 things, been around the world 50 times, levitate every morning before breakfast and channel aliens, I don't go around bragging about it or um, have an air about me that says that all those things make me superior. It just is what it is. I do what I do. You do what you do. And it's all good. If I make a mistake, I own it, fix it, and move on. So I'm not God, and that's okay. And I don't expect anyone else to be here. And there's, like, no comparison because we all have a different path. That's super humble. The third part of humility is that you need to have a feeling that we're in this all together. So you matter. We're all related. I don't succeed without you. And I'm here to help you, too. So it's a reciprocity. Uh, it's totally relational because the differences between us is what makes us whole. In order for me to be whole, I have to learn things from you that I don't see in myself yet or that I don't value in myself maybe. And I have to be available for you to do the same. And that way, we contribute to each other and we all grow. Humble people may not stand out because they don't tend to draw attention to themselves. They're not out there waving their awards, credentials, and followers around saying, look how great I am. But what they do have, and this is research now, not just my opinion or observation, what they do have is growth. They're better learners or problem solvers, so they have better skills in whatever it is that they're interested in. And they listen to all sorts of people, not just the so-called experts. And that makes them more well-rounded, and so they often surpass their peers. So there's this image that, you know, the flashy guy is the most important one, but in reality that may not, or the most successful one, and that may not be true. Um, humility creates trust, so relationships are better. Humble people tend to be happier and have an easier time getting over issues and forgiving themselves, so better mental health. In fact, remember when I was talking about bullies? Well, I was bullied as a kid, only I didn't know it. Strange thing to say, right? I was talking to my friend uh, one day who's a bully prevention coordinator, and we were talking about our childhoods, and I was telling her how the girls used to gang up on me from kindergarten all the way through school. And they never did it one-on-one. -on -one. There was gangs of them. And if they caught me out, which happened a few times, they'd jump me. Um, and she pointed out that, that I was bullied, and I was like, what? <laughs> I never thought of it that way because I didn't see a power differential or a status differential. I just thought they were mean girls. I never saw them as above me or as with me being below them. And uh, I didn't take it as their behavior having anything to do with me. So I didn't personalize it. And I think this is so important for kids today who are committing suicide because of cyberbullying. Kids are going to pick on the outlier. It's just what they do. That, that's, that's an animal thing. But if we rear them all with humility, then those who are picked on will be more resilient. And those who push around others maybe won't go to such extremes as the things we hear of today. And maybe some of them, 
the bullies won't bully at all because there's no need. We're just equals. They don't they won't need to dominate others to feel better about themselves. See what I'm saying? So how do you cultivate humility? Well, remember that I said you have to have an accurate idea of who you are. So start there with sovereignty. In our online animism class, we have a section on sovereignty that looks at many boxes and roles where you fit in to help figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. Your relationships and ancestors, animism is totally relational, so it's not just about you, but where you stand and how you show up. And part of that is seeing into your shadow, accepting the things that you don't want to see, and healing what needs to be healed. So remember I said that some people use status to avoid their hurts and flaws? If I'm high enough, I can hide up there because no one will see my darkness. And that's not a bad or ugly thing, and it's an exhilarating thing to make us more human and more alive. So who cares if you have a few words? We all do. I think that's part of it, you know, accepting, accepting that. And, you know, we all have that. The more I go into my own junk, the more I realize how silly it is to imagine that I might one day be awakened for good, purified and clean. I mean, it's kind of, it's not very humble to be going around saying I'm woke, is it? <laughs> Um, as far as I know, it's a never-ending cycle of self-discovery and getting down to new layers. I, I mean, I guess you can wake um, uh, in a cyclical way and happens over and over again, but not like once and for all, I don't think. You can disagree with me. But <laughs> um, Now, what if all you see is darkness when you're looking at yourself? Well, that's not an accurate self-assessment either, is it? I see clients like that from time to time, and it's another cop-out from getting in the game, honestly. It's an avoidance tactic to keep from being alive. If I just say, I'm a piece of crap, nobody loves me, I don't deserve to succeed or be happy, that's me artificially lowering my status so that you'll lift me up, hopefully. Because who doesn't generally contradict that and say, oh, don't say that, that's not true. So it's a way of um, getting attention. And I'm going to ask you to opt out of that game and say nothing if somebody does that to you. So just listen. You're not helping by disagreeing with that person. Let them figure out how to get out of that hole. And if it gets uncomfortable enough, they might move. It's not humility because it's not true. The next step to cultivating humility is to stay curious and open to learning. I mean, why wouldn't you? There's nothing to gain from closing yourself off to new people, places, or ideas. The more you learn, the more you know that there is to learn. So you never get stagnant, bored, or feel like you know it all. And this can keep you humble. Oh, another way to cultivate humility is through laughter. Laughter, jokes, and laughing at yourself is a great way to bring new energy in and stay grounded. Humility means never taking anything too seriously, particularly yourself. Now, I've got some homework for you to help with cultivating humility. And this comes from Positive Psychology. And if you're not familiar with positive psychology, it's one of the best things to come out of, it's probably the best thing to come out of psychology since it's founding 100 years ago, really. In the 1990s, for the first time, it occurred to someone that mental health research wasn't looking at how to be well or say well. It was looking at how mentally ill people function. And that's when positive psychology flipped the script and said, well, what makes happy people happy? <laughs> It's the first time anybody asked that. And it's, if you think about it, it's pretty shocking, isn't it? And those people say that there's five exercises for growing humility. And the first is to show gratitude and appreciation for our most important relationships. So these are the people who positively influence our lives. 
It could be your mother, boss, partner, child, or a stranger. You know, who knows? The relationship doesn't have to be a long one or even a positive one. If you got growth and happiness out of it, it counts. The second suggestion is to become aware of your complaining so that you can stop. I did a video on that on YouTube, and you might want to check it out. So complaining is the opposite of gratitude. You can't be happy if you see all the things that are wrong. Have you heard of the stop technique? Every time you catch yourself complaining, mentally say stop, then stop. Or you can do something more physical like pinch yourself or move a plastic bracelet from one wrist to another. It's a practice to increase your self-awareness. The third suggestion is to write down three good things that happened at the end of the day. It has to be three. It has to be good. It has to be written. So all those things matter. And it should also be more than just a bulleted list of ice cream, got off work early, and played with the puppy. This is an exercise in savoring. So go into sensuous detail about why those were good things and relive the goodness. Enjoy it all over again as you write about it. The fourth suggestion is to value growth over arriving and getting credit. When your end goal is growth versus getting a raise, being right, getting a new position, getting a lottery, being acknowledged, whatever, you know, you always have your feet on the ground and you get ahead without allowing yourself to be put on a pedestal. The fifth is to let yourself be in awe of nature. I love that one. Nature's just amazing, isn't it? I know I say this all the time, but the night sky and the ocean are my two big awe-inspiring jaw-to-the-ground views. I always stop and stare and feel my insignificance when I'm under a night sky or in the ocean. And I don't mean that in an puny and meaningless way. I mean it in the opposite way, really. I'm in awe that something as small as I am could be a part of this big, beautiful, amazing universe. And it makes me want to do more for myself, my family, and everyone. It inspires me. Most people will appreciate humility. I have to say that not everyone's going to respond to your attempts to neutralize artificial status, though. If they're accustomed to being on top, they may want to stay there. And you may be surprised that it also works that way for people who are used to being low status. You might think, uh, what's the advantage of that? But, you know, we all like what we're comfortable with. And if that's the role we occupy at work, home, and in our relationship, it may be hard to come out of that. You'll see these status games if you pay attention. I remember this guy who was persistent about dating me who was obviously not a match because he kept trying to dominate me and put me in my place, and that was not going to (laughs) work. Then I had this friend who I kept giving her opportunities to be an equal and stand beside me, but that was asking too much of her. She never did it. Uh, So I won't ever be able to meet you as anything but an equal. Usually if there's a connection between the two of you, and one of you moves, the other one's going to move too. But if it's too far out of the comfort zone, like in these two examples, it might just be that you're asking too much of that person and the relationship fails to jail. And that's okay. Or, or you have going on a superficial level. It happens. If you're a person who's focused on growth, this could happen in relationships that start out as equals too. So uh, humility is why you don't see big name speakers, gurus, or ascended masters at Pan Society. We believe that everyone is special and beautiful and has a voice 
and a story that needs to be told. So if we ask you, hey, I really like you. Do you want to do an interview on the podcast? <laughs> and you think, huh, I'm not, I'm not big enough. I'm not uh, important enough. Well, you can say no. <laughs> but it won't look that way to me. Uh, we believe that we can all learn from the lowest and the highest and people with different uh, uh, views, and we don't discriminate. We don't bow to anyone's altar, to themselves, or to, you know, you can just make your own choices. We aren't led. You can do whatever you want to do. And this is why we don't use the typical types of clickbait funnels, masterminds, to gain followers, that kind of thing, this, you know, hype, hype, hype kind of thing. I don't want followers. I want friends. I'm not knocking anyone who does that kind of thing. It just feels inauthentic, salesy, and not very humble to me. I don't want to do that. Pan society and animus values are too important to me. And we built this from the ground up from a place of values so that it transforms those who want to transform. We want it to be solid and whole, not just go for the thing that gives you a spiritual title that makes you feel good for a while until the title either loses meaning, you can't keep up with the hype, or you fall off that pedestal for whatever reason. Or or this, this the feel-good stuff. Um, it's whole. Everything doesn't feel good. And animism is real. It's solid. It's been around for millennia and will continue to be around if we don't destroy it by incorporating values within that really don't work here because they separate us. Uh, it looks like everybody's into animism these days, and that's good. We need a more nature-loving, heart-centered people in this world. I'd like to listen to everybody. You know, do what speaks to you, but do a gut check. If you hear something that comes from the ego or something that's not in the heart space, maybe it comes from me. You know, maybe it's got a lot of Western mainstream thoughts still in it. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Everything has something to offer. Just check and see if that's what you want. Check and see if that's animism. Check and see if that's whole, leading to a place of oneness. Oh, and this is kind of off topic, but I started with the idea of status and colorism. So I want to finish up with that and say I finally get what it feels like to be talked down by talked down to by someone who is pale. And there's a lot of people who are very aware of the racism problem because they face it all the time. And some phrases that I really don't like are colonizer, ally, white guilt, those kinds of things because they're status games. I didn't have the connection to language it in that way before. But it's like one side is trying to put down the other, and that side responds by trying to equalize the playing field. And equalizing the playing field is a good thing, except you can't really do that without understanding the problem or the solution and its status. So if you play those, I don't want to get into the social, uh, what do you call it, social um, politics. Um, I did a podcast on that if you want to go search that out. Um, but if you play, if you're into that and you want to play those arguments over in your mind, you'll see status, 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 one up, one down, one up, one down. Who's the victim? Who's the hero? Who's the oppressor? And it just keeps going round and round and round, keeping everybody separated. And this problem is something we can all fix within ourselves right now by stopping the status games and adopting a space of humility. I can say all I want that I'm supportive of LGBTQ or whatever group you want to target. But as long as I'm playing status games, that group is going to know that I'm not their ally. I can march, donate, put up a sign in my yard, preferentially hire, or do whatever. Until the inside changes, none of that matters. And this is about status, to check your status. That's up to you. You can do it or not do it. Um, 
we're on a seesaw of who's up and who's down. And I'm just saying, let's get off the seesaw. That's that's my proposal. But no progress can be made until there are no good guys, no bad guys. We're just humans who stand side by side in respect on an equal playing field. Humility can do that. If someone emerges as a leader because he has the skills and demeanor to be there, let's applaud and appreciate that. And if someone else is a support person, hey, we all need support. Let's appreciate that too. You know, eagles, lions, and elephants aren't mightier than mushrooms, vultures, or bats. Everybody has a job to do, and we need them all. On that note, I'd love to hear what you think. Tell me what I missed. And thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the ancestors and elements for being here and support. And come see us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Join the conversation. Don't forget, if you'd like to donate, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pan society. And if you're interested in learning how to be more in touch with animism, I invite you to join our online experiential animism class, which is located at pansociety.org. Hope to see you there. I'm Laura Giles with Pan Society. See you all next week, and thanks for tuning in. 